So good to be in the fellowship of the body this morning. Um, exciting things happening. It's just really neat to see God is moving in our midst and um, and just a lot of uh, listening to what he's saying. And it's just, it's beautiful. And I'm sure as he looks and sees this worship time and this fellowship and this body through the week and over the work day and, <laughs> and online and here that, um, you know, he's pleased as he, as he looks at us um, together. So I'm, I, I am going to, uh, probably no big surprise to you guys, <laughs> I'm going to continue talking about Israel because I had a lot that I wanted to cover last time. Um, but I'm always trying to not go over 45. So I didn't finish it all. So I'm going to continue where I left off last week, which is where I'm really um, talking about, not last week, but, you know, a few weeks ago, whenever that was. <laughs> I, I just want to continue in this, the same that I was talking about, which is just why, why are we praying for Israel? And it's probably not new information, but it's just good review of information that we need to come back to because what it does is it kind of creates like the fodder that we, that we pray into. Um, I, was, I was thinking about this as, as I was thinking about, a, like, for many of us, like we read the Word of God and, you know, we spend time in prayer, but we also do like listen or read other things that just kind of maybe stir us up or help us to look at things from another perspective or just kind of come back and revisit. Like I like to still read books on parenting and, um, uh, and marriage um, just, just because I want to just keep seeing what the word is saying and maybe a different twist or a different angle on, you know, maybe looking at something in a fresh way, you know? And so this, this is good for me just because it keeps, my heart fresh in all of these areas. And so I kind of look at that too as we as we look at the area uh, of Israel. And I love the fact that there's a lot of conversation with the Lord going on about, Lord, what are you saying about this at this time? And how do you want me um, to, to respond? Jen was talking about her family. How's her family responding? How are you responding as an individual? What is the Lord saying to you at any given time? And in this particular area, we're hearing a lot about Israel. So we definitely want to stay faithful in this area. <clears throat> so in the area of prayer, he's calling us to this priestly ministry of intercession in many areas, but this is definitely a, a very important one to God's heart. And I, I liked how Noah had mentioned during the worship about his you know, making that reference to that scene in the Garden of Gethsemane where Jesus said to his disciples, couldn't you watch and pray with me for one hour? And when I hear that, like, sometimes I feel like like we do hour sets, but sometimes it does feel like, can I pray for, watch and pray for one hour and praying for Israel? And how well do I do in this area? Does that make sense? So we're, we're just going to come back and remind ourselves of why we why we want to do this and ask God to help us because we are standing between heaven um, and a need on earth as intercessors and when we do this faithful prayer we're really petitioning the father for breakthrough 
And I kind of want to talk about breakthrough just in the area of like hastening the day. The writer of Hebrews asks the saints to intercede on his behalf. He says, pray for us, for we are confident that we have a good conscience in all things, desiring to live honorably. But I especially urge you to do this, that I may be restored to you sooner. Hebrews 13, 18 through 19. Important reminder here, and that is that intercession is accelerating God's purposes on earth. Yes, I know we know this, but like, This whole idea of hastening the day is being emphasized by the writer of Hebrews saying that, like, it could happen sooner. So, obviously, most people think the author is Paul, but he's basically putting it out there like, hey, you know, this could actually, you know, God's purposes are going to happen, but it'll happen sooner if you would actually pray about that. So, we can actually, maybe a way of looking at it, you could say we could buy time with our prayers Redeeming the time because the, the days are evil is what Ephesians 5.16 talks about. So, like, when evil is looming, we can postpone its coming with our prayers. And when good is delayed, we could accelerate its coming by our prayers. Like, we've seen so many examples of this in the Bible, right? Where you could see, like, evil's coming and he's saying, gather a sacred assembly, Gather the, right, this is talking about Joel too. Gather the, the young and the old and come together and petition him, turn back to him. And so there is this clear indication, and in, in, there's so many examples. We go through them on a regular basis, but we, there is this sense that, that God's going to accomplish his purposes, but he is looking to partner with us, and we can cause those purposes to be accelerated, his good purposes to be accelerated, or maybe like something that is looming, evil that is looming, that it can that it can be pushed back. And that kind of goes to something that kind of related to creating this area of refuge that is is giving time for people to come and to get into the right relationship with the Lord. And so the I think what what we anticipate is that If we don't pray, God's purposes are going to happen. But if we do, they could happen sooner. If we don't, who knows what the outcome could be. Luke 18.6, then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge says. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out to him day and night, though he bears long with them? I tell you that... He will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith in the earth? So we're familiar with this. Uh, We we talk about it a lot. God is definitely in complete control, but this example really gives us an idea that there is influence for those that will cry out to him, his own elect, crying out day and night. But and I love the connection of that verse, like, but is he going to find faith on the earth? Like, he's going to accomplish his purposes, but he's looking to find faith on the earth. He's looking to find those elect that are actually like, they're like, oh, I, I'm, I'm crying out for you, God, to, to, to come into this area. So, yes, we know that he's got complete power to accelerate his purposes on the earth. He's going to, he's going to accomplish his purposes in the world. He's got 
complete control to draw Israel to himself, but yet he's asking us to cry out day and night, to hasten the day. John 6, 44 says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. So we don't actually cause the change in Israel. You know, it's like a good way to keep the perspective on it is that we're, we're not making the things happen, but what we're doing is we're agreeing with the Father's purposes that he wants those things to happen. Does that make sense? It is a difference because it's our agreeing with him. It's our alignment with him. It's our saying, God, I know these are the things that you want to accomplish in your people. And so I'm just, I'm coming alongside you. And that's an important thing to distinguish because it's, it's just this subtle difference where there's this idea of there's power in prayer. So I'm going to pray this thing that I want to see have happen. But he's saying like, He'll do anything that we pray in his name. But that is the things that are in alignment with his will, not the things that are our plans and purposes. But it, it's vital that the prayers that were being prayed are, are in complete agreement with the purposes that he, the things that he already wanted to do. He's just we're saying, yes, Lord, do those things. And so... As we talked about last time, he is looking for watchmen and intercessors. So, and I think I kind of touched on this last time too, but you know, it just in general in the area of like praying for people, one of the most profound ways that we can love somebody is to pray for them, right? That is one of the most significant ways that we can do it. You know, um, we tend to think that... Uh, if, if it's the, the person that we're praying for, we, it's kind of like, yeah, I'm, I'm wanting this thing to happen for them. And so we're kind of focused in on that outcome and that particular purpose. But actually praying for someone does something super powerful in us, the one that is actually doing the praying. It's joining the heart of us, the one that's interceding to the heart of the one that is being prayed for. And so it, it's like it creates this cord of affection. And this is super important when I think about Israel because it, when I'm praying for, for you, <laughs> like I see your face. I get to see you. I get to interact with you. I get to see how God is moving in a particular thing in an area, right? Like we can all be super excited about Abe and what she's talking about there because it's like, we're praying for our for our youth of our body for years that God's plans and purposes will be accomplished in them and you're just you're like I see the expression of my prayers with the skin on right but it doesn't feel this way quite in the same way to me you know when praying for Israel and so it it's I I love the reminder for myself that the more I pray for Israel, the more I'm getting a heart for Israel. And I'm sure that probably one of the best families that can give us a testimony about this would be the kind family as they've been praying for Israel for all these years. And I, I'm not saying that they're the only one that, but, but you know, they've had this prayer set hosting that. And just, we know that um, kind of like along the ideas, if you ever think about whatever you focus in on grows, but when we're praying for somebody, the... Um, our affection becomes towards them. It's like, I mean, there's a reason why God says pray for our enemies and those who persecute you, right? Because 
there's something that is changing in our heart. So um, even in situations, we, we just, we get invested in the things that we're really praying into. And so this is true in the reality of Israel. If we continue to do that, and sometimes it might be like, I, I know, I can tell you, I've gone to um, the Israel set over the years and just feel like, Lord, I got nothing. <laughs> I've got nothing. <laughs> Help me, Lord. How am I praying for Israel? Because it just, there isn't always that feeling of that emotional connection. But I'm talking about it because I believe what, what happens is that if we're faithful in it, if we, we all know this, if you've, you know, you're an experienced, mature person that's been praying, you realize you, you're not always in it. <laughs> Your heart's not always in it, but you're like, Lord, I want my heart to be in it. I want to know how you feel. I want to pray like you're leading me to pray. And you just stay with it. God is going to move. He's going to move. He is, the more, our, the more we pray for Israel, the more our heart is to pray is going to increase for this people, and for this city. I, do, I think about Daniel, and I realized Daniel was a, obviously he was a Jew, and um, he was a faithful Jew, but he was continually, he was faithfully for all of those years in Babylon, continuing to contend. Like, you'd think he'd be at the point where he, he's like, this is it, this is my life, you know. Um, I'm, I'm never going to see my nation again, but he's like, I'm, I'm going to keep contending for prayer. I'm going to keep being faithful and believe that God is going to move in this, in this area. He's continuing and believing in what the prophet Isaiah talked to him about. Or, yeah, I think Isaiah or Jeremiah talking about the, the, um, the time in captivity, but that they were going to return. And so I love that reminder of that faithful example of prayer. So praying for the peace of Jerusalem, this is another thing that we often hear about. God is commanding us to pray. Psalms 122.6, reading from New Living Translation, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. So because of all of the conflict around Israel for its entire history, right? we tend to think of peace as being free of military conflict. When you look at historic Israel before even Israel became a nation and like the tension right now with all of the Arab communities, I mean, it was like a land bridge between two major um, areas. And so it was like you'd have people traveling through this little strip of real estate. Um, And so it was, there was always contention over who was in control over that particular area. Like you can see why, um, the psalmist would be saying, yes, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. But I think our tendency is to think peace like free of military conflict because that's the history of this area. But it actually is uh, more than that. I mean, you think about somebody that just even says like shalom, right? They're greeting somebody with, it's like a greeting, shalom. It's more than, hey, you know, greeting, hope everything is free of military conflict. It's, it's a lot more expansive than that. I'm going to read to you. It's from Strong 7965. These are some of the things that come up under this. Completeness, soundness, welfare, peace. Completeness in the sense of a number, 
I'm going to come back to that in a minute. Safety, soundness, like soundness in body, welfare, health, prosperity. You can see where that would be like the shalom. Somebody's greeting you, shalom. Um, peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment, friendship, peace of human relationships, um, peace with God, especially in covenant relationship, peace from war. All of these, that's a, that's a lot, isn't it? So much in a word. So scripture is asking us to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. It's a whole array of things. I wanted to, when I was reading the one aspect of a completeness of number, I was like, how oh, that really stood out in my mind. And I was thinking about um, some of the aspects of the, like some of these things I read seem obvious, like safety and health and welfare. But the aspect of the definition really stood out to me, the whole idea of like um, completeness in in the sense of like an, of a number. And there is a whole thing about, the significant of numbers in the Bible, like there's so much on that particular category, lots and lots and lots of stuff, which I'm not, I'm not necessarily going to get into. But, um, but the specific number, you know, there's like numbers correlating to the Israel language, and there's numbers that are significant throughout the Bible, and they, they matter, right? I was thinking about place where numbers matter, Rev- Revelation 7 Seven four, and I heard the number of those who were sealed. One hundred and forty-four thousand of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Jumping forward to Revelation fourteen one, then I looked, and behold, a lamb standing on Mount Zion, <clears throat> and with him one hundred and forty-four thousand, having the Father's name written on their foreheads. Uh, jumping down to the second half of verse four, these are the redeemed from among men, being the first fruits to God and to the Lamb. So. There's a completeness. <clears throat> There's a completeness in number that is um, suggested with this whole idea of shalom. Something that is needs to come all the way into fullness. And if you can see how that connects to Romans eleven. Verse 26, and so all, this, this is a connection I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me, Romans eleven twenty six, and so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. So it's, it's like th- this verse is talking about all of Israel will be saved I think about this completeness of shalom, praying for the shalom of Israel, praying for the completeness that all that are mine, all that are my redeemed, all that were bought and chosen, um, that that's that's peace for Israel is that the completeness of all that that he. Um, that he he purchased, and that he re, that those that are um, were um, predestined before the beginning of time, that that all would be complete. The fullness of that is it complete right now? No, it's not. So part of when you're we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem, we're praying for that fullness 
If you think about that Romans 11 verse, like the hardening of, the, of Israel was in part so that the fullness of the Gentiles would come in. So there's a fullness of Gentiles. There's, there's like, you could tell there's like a sense of like, you know, there, there's like a scale that's like increasing, right? Because there's, there, there's, a, there, there's an end point and there's a total number. And like the same with Israel, who, like the Israel that is being saved. And this process has been beginning ever since Jesus came to earth. And there was that remnant of Jewish believers that said, yes, I, I see that this actually is the Messiah. And they received him. But the, the fullness even of the Jewish people, that's, that is that same process that's um, that completeness that's um, being filled up. I don't know if that's <laughs> explained that very well, but hopefully you're with me on that. Um, so he wants to complete that covenant with them. There's people he made a covenant with. He wants to complete it in its fullness. Listen to Matthew 5, 9. Blessed, and I'm, this is the Amplified, blessed, spiritually calm with life, joy in God's favor, are the makers and maintainers of peace, for they will express his character and be called the sons of God. So the, the version that we're most familiar with is obviously, you know, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. I just think about this, <clears throat> this idea of going back to um, Romans 11, that our, our job is to pray for Israel and create this, this spiritual jealousy um, results. Be, and then what's happening is that we're in that, in that place. We're, um, it's like you're in between and you're like, here's Israel that is, has a veil covering our eyes and here's their king, you know, and here we are the ones that are grafted in to this, um, to this root. And then you know, with our prayers of intercession, it's like we're we're looking to bring them into, you know, reunited relationship. That's that's the peacemaking that we're doing. That's the peacemaking that's happening in the intercession as he's looking for those that are standing and doing this faithful execution of what he asked. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for my people to be reconciled in right relationship with me. Pray for them to know that I am their God. Pray for them to, to see me as the fulfillment of all of those promises. So going back to that part of the definition of shalom, peace, quiet, tranquility, contentment. That was, you know, one aspect of that. Peace, friendship of human relationships. So our prayer for Israel entering into a right relationship with their Savior is, it's like at the height of everything that we do. We are praying for her to get right back in that relationship, like I mentioned a minute ago, getting into the covenant with, getting back into the covenant with him. See, <clears throat> God's covenant with Israel is one of the oldest legal contracts in history. He made a covenant with Abraham, then he passed it to Isaac, and then obviously those generational blessings passed to Jacob. His name was changed to Israel. His life was transformed. And then the 12, um, his 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. And they inherited this promise. So the Jews 
as a unique people of faith, um, they're born into this covenant plan of Abraham. It's just amazing when you think about how, how old that is. It's, it, it, it's not go, you could go back and look at it in Deuteronomy 29, but it's still in force today. It's not like our contracts. It is, there's no time limitation there. And, and we sing about this all the time, but like God's, um, he's faithful. He is, um, his covenants are not based upon a legal contract. They're based upon his nature. They're based upon his faithfulness. I think it's an important thing to think about that too. It's like, because we think about God is God. He's not going to break his promises. But it's like his promises, his covenants are based upon his, his nature, his mercy, his faithfulness, his justice, his love. So it's that unconditional um, covenant that that covenant that he made with Abraham based upon faith so it's going to come back come to pass so what we're doing in this whole idea of shalom praying for the peace of Jerusalem is that we are facilitating the reconciliation of God's chosen people this is what he wants but we are doing the Matthew 18, and we're coming into agreement with his plans and purposes. He wants that natural branch that was broken off because of unbelief back to himself because it will come back through faith, and that's what we're praying for is for her faith. The other part about that, the peace of Jerusalem, is the land, and... I see, um, when I think about that, the other part of the completeness, not necessarily in the aspect of the number, but having to do with the land and all of the, the land of Israel that, that God gave them as part of that covenant. So the, by divine covenant that we just talked about, the Jewish people, they, they're, um, the, it's their land because... Because God said it was. And so claims of the Islamic world of ownership, those things, when you think about it, when the Islamic world say, well, this is, this is ours, or we should have this, this is indirect rebellion and challenge to the word of God. That's not to meant to be an issue of saying that. You know, it, it does everything that happened in Israel, is that fair to, um, to the Arab people? You know, are, it, it, no, <laughs> it's, it's definitely... It's definitely not. But for there to be a, a thought that that land can belong to anybody else, then Israel is, of course, it's, it, it it's completely goes against um, who he is as, as the king. <laughs> and that he said, no, that's, this, this is what I said it is. This is for my people. Genesis 17, 8, and I will give to you and your offspring after you the land of your sojourners, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. It's right there. Did you catch that? <laughs> it's like, I'm giving the land. It's an everlasting possession. And not only is it, I'm giving it to you, but I'm going to be in charge. I'm going to be the king there. So we know this has been an issue of contention in our lifetimes and way before our lifetimes. 
According to Joel, that we're familiar with, 3, 1 through 2, For behold, in those days and at that time, when I bring back the captives of Judah and Jerusalem, I will also gather all nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat, and will enter into judgment with them there on account of my people, my heritage Israel, whom they scattered among the nations. They have also divided up my land. He's not happy about it. So it's important for us to pray that the land would not be divided. You think? Why? Because God said he doesn't want it divided. We're just agreeing with what the Bible says about it, right? So there are many ministries and political organizations that have been and are fighting for Israel's land to not be divided. But this is where their focus is. It's, it's not dividing the land. It's, it's only an expression, or praying for the peace of Israel. Like if we pray for the land without praying for the salvation of the nation of Israel, is that really what God is after? He wants to be married to the people of Israel and the land. And so the approach for things happening with the land of Israel is praying that it would not be divided. You know, when I think about the idea of trying to keep the the land from being divided and approaching that from any other way than prayer, like, look at everything that God wanted to, the history of Israel, when they've gone into captivity, when other nations attacked them, you know, when, when cities were taken, when they were liberated, like all of this back and forth throughout the, the rich history of Israel. Nothing that Israel did in their own strength accomplished their purposes. It was only God's divine intervention when he created, had deliverance, when he gave them victory over their enemies, when he said he was going to do a thing. He was sovereign over all of those circumstances. It was always about Israel humbling herself and saying, Lord, deliver us. And he would work through people and circumstances, but it was all completely directed by his spirit. It was not, nothing that he, he set out to accomplish was accomplished in the strength of men. So why should it be any different now? It, def, it definitely shouldn't. So Israel's salvation, it's not, um, it's, it's not the fullness. If it's just we want to pray that the land would not be divided, but we're praying for the salvation of Israel and that the land would not be divided. <clears throat> Some people would say that there are other um, issues like significant social and economic issues beyond the focus of the land, but they are important, but they are really secondary areas of prayer. Wanting Israel to recognize her king is that's the first thing, seeking first the kingdom and them being in the right relationship with their king. John 8 36 says, if the sun sets Israel free, she'll be free indeed. Well, it says that the sun sets you free. <laughs> You'll be free indeed. But I was like, if the sun sets Israel free, will she be free indeed? Yes. So her recognizing her king and Messiah is going to bring what to the land? Peace. It's going to bring, it's going to bring peace. Adam and Eve were at peace in the garden. Going back to that Psalms 122, 6. How do we get to the peace of Jerusalem? We pray. Because pray is agreeing with God, right? 
We're coming into agreement with his plans and purposes. Um, he's not calling for us to lobby or negotiate the peace of Jerusalem. <laughs> um, I found this quote. I loved it. It was from S.D. Gordon. It says, you can do more than pray after you've prayed. Let's say that again. You can do more than pray after you've prayed, but you cannot do more than pray until you have prayed. In other words, the first line of action is pray and then let the Holy Spirit lead if there is any other action other than prayer, right? Because this is the case often in our experience, right? We pray first. The Lord does lead us to do things. Um, but it isn't let's do something and then pray, but it's got to pray. So we know that, but it bears reminding. Um, I need to keep hearing it. It's in the praying and the leadership of the Holy Spirit that the Lord is going to may lead us to do more than that. But it's a journey that he leads us to. So um, we support chosen people's ministries as a church. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's um, they do they do different kinds of ministry work in Israel related to sharing the gospel, helping with practical needs, etc. Um, what we do here is we pray for Israel and we we support them financially in some of those things in Israel that we that we're not there to do. So, all right, let's see. How can we pray for the peace of Jerusalem when we know, according to all of the scriptures that are unfulfilled? Like, I don't know if you've ever had this thought, but I've had it. It was like, okay, I'm praying for the peace of Jerusalem, but God already says that they're going to, enemies are going to come in and trample them. And there's going to be this terrible day of the Lord that I, you know, sounds like, oh, that doesn't sound good. So I'm trying to think about, I'm praying for the peace of Jerusalem, but these, I'm not going to, God's word is going to happen, right? Jerusalem is going to be surrounded by enemies. Let's read it, Luke 21, 20 through 22. But when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you know that its desolation is near. Then let those who are in the Judea flee to the mountains and let those who are in the midst of her depart and let not those who are in the country enter her. For these are the days of vengeance that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But he's still calling for us to intercede for the peace of Jerusalem, even though he knows that she's going to continue to reject him. Have you sifted? But we're praying that the sifting is going to lead them to repentance. We're praying for that remnant to be protected. We're praying for them to be ready for the truth of his word to go forth, that there would be uh, this readiness, like the same thing that, you know, the prophets were warning Israel over and over again, like, hey, guys, judgment is coming. It's not going to be good. Turn back to God. These are the areas where you're, you're, you're doing your own thing, and you are not... Um, aligned with him. Turn back to him. Turn back, you know, the, four, the, the, the armies are coming. The, the, oops, oops, oh my goodness. Wow. Well, we got a little bit of carpet wash up going on up here with lemon water. <laughs> um, but he's, he's saying like they were, it's the same thing. We're doing the same thing that the prophets did, inviting Israel to come back under God's leadership. So another thing is, like, we pray for the people of Israel the same way we pray for ourselves. 
I talked about the peace of Jerusalem, shalom. That has to do with relationships, peace and relationships. Um, so we're, when we think about this Sermon on the Mount, um, it's like the same thing for them. Like sometimes I come, I, I know I, I've thought, all right, the prayers for Israel, they're different than the prayers that I pray for myself. Well, obviously they're not. They're actually the same thing. We are, when, when I think about um, the audience of the Sermon on the Mount, who was that to? Who was Jesus speaking to? Jews. <laughs> Primarily Jews, right? So if you want, you could open your Bible to Matthew 5, 3, the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, starting with verse 3. You're familiar with it, even if you don't open it up. But each of these begin with what word? Blessed, blessed. So I, I was looking up blessed because I was thinking, Lord, is blessed like, is that connected with peace? I think it is connected with peace, but it's definitely not nearly the fullness of it. But it's like a, maybe a part, part of it, right? Blessed is a pretty simple definition. Happy, good fortune, blessed. That's what it is. So it's not the, like I said, it's not the same, but I kind of feel like it's tucked up under this whole idea of shalom. Um, when I think about the peace of Jerusalem, that the fullness of the peace of Jerusalem, what's that going to be? That's going to be like, that's going to be heaven coming to earth. That's going to be the millennial kingdom and beyond that. That's going to be, um, the, you know, that city uh, coming down. And, you know, it's the, the earthly Jerusalem, the heavenly Jerusalem, like there's some shalom going on there, right? Like that's the fullness that we're looking for. And so when I, when I think about that, there, I'm, I'm looking at that, that, um, yeah, that arrival. And when you, we think about the servant on the mount, it's kind of like this, if you could picture it as this ladder that you're climbing, right? You're starting off with the first rung in the ladder, you're like, I'm spiritually poor. Oh my gosh, I'm a mess. I so need God. Like this is, this is the first step for Israel because she thinks that following the law is what saves her. Or some of Israel is just like, they're completely reprobate and they're kind of like, I'm just, this is just a nationality thing for me. I'm just, I'm just, yeah, I'm just Jewish by, by um, family of origin. What was the word? Birth, thank you. <laughs> by birth. <laughs> it doesn't get simpler than that. <laughs> but it isn't necessarily like a, like a, I'm Jewish from a spiritual standpoint. Does that make sense? And so, but it's starting off with we're praying for them, for their shalom being that they would start. Their, their shalom begins with recognizing they're spiritually poor, just like we are, right? And then their next step towards getting closer to shalom is mourning the fact that they're spiritually poor, mourning the fact that they're just trying to be good, you know, by, you know, by doing Shabbat and, and, in mitzvahs and you know all these different things just you know that that's a, a a mourning that they need to have just like we need to have like we we don't have that cultural paradigm but we have that 
in terms of the law, but we actually do have that cultural paradigm. It's kind of a built-in human nature thing, which is kind of like, you know, I'm going to earn my own salvation. I'm going to be good enough on my own, and I, I will define what that looks like. It just happens to be for the Israelite people. I mean, it's following all their laws and following all their cultural norms, and that's how they're going to do it. But so shalom is praying that they would be poor in spirit, that they would mourn it, um, praying that they would, and just that they're going to be comforted. They're going to be comforted with the fact, think about how the Israels have tried to compl- try to fulfill all of the requirements of the law, but they could never do it, right? Isn't that what, like, that big argument between the disciples are like, why are you trying to put this, all these requirements on these Gentile people? Like, we can't even do this stuff, and you're trying to make them do it? Like, this is ridiculous. Jesus just came to redeem us from the law, to give us a new law written on our heart, to give us the grace to do it. So for them, it's a matter of saying like, oh my gosh, I, 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 there's got to be another way. Like, I need to be meek, meek enough to say, um, m- me ain't enough. I, I got to have the help of the Lord. And so those are the ones that are going to inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. We're praying that Israel will do that. See, they, they do, many of them very devout, they hunger and thirst for righteousness. Probably better than some of us. <laughs> but, but that doesn't work if it isn't starting off with the fact that I, I can't. Like, I want it, but I can't do it. I, I need to humble myself under the Lord. I need to recognize that I, I don't have any of what it's going to take. And then obviously this goes on. Blessed are the, um, blessed are those that um, are merciful, for they're going to obtain mercy. So just if you want, like with me, think about, just go, do it like this, like um, starting off with verse 7 where we're at, like, or verse 6. Israel is going to be blessed when they hunger and thirst for righteousness. And the result is they're going to be filled. Israel um, are going to be blessed when they're merciful. And they're going to obtain mercy. How are, they going to, how are they going to be merciful? They will not be able to do it based upon the way they've been doing it. They will actually need the Holy Spirit to do it, won't they? Because I cannot be merciful apart from the Holy Spirit, can you? No, neither can they. Blessed is Israel. Um, peacemakers, like Israel, do you know, it, the whole thing about um, verse 9, 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. This is what God's wanted all along. He wanted Israel to be his sons of God, the representatives to the world, that he was, he, his plan of redemption was going to come through this chosen race, this group of people. He wants them to be identified as his sons, and he wants them to actually create reconciliation for the whole world that is separated from him. He wanted all the Gentile nations to know that salvation only comes through Israel's God, Yeshua, right? But this didn't happen because instead of Israel being the one that influenced all the other nations, all the other nations did what? They influenced Israel. So he just wants to get back to his original design, which is that Israel would be a kingdom of priests and kings, that they would be the peacemakers that bring all of them. And this, this is the irony of it. It's like, this is what he wanted of Israel. He wanted Israel to become, bring peace in the relationship between 
what was broken in the garden between God and man. And what he is using, as we often refer to Romans 11, is that he's using us, the wild olive shoot, that, that got you know, tucked into that cultivated olive tree because of Israel's unbelief. And he's calling actually for us now to be the role of peacemakers to help bring Israel back in to her right relationship, shalom, with her Savior, so that she can then do what? Do what he designed her to do. That she, she would be a kingdom of priests and kings for the nations. That she would be his ambassadors, right? So this progression does culminate in Israel becoming peacemakers. They will be the remnant that are the sons they are, um, and like, I guess I kind of touched on, I'm going to give you the verse. This is what that looks like, Romans 11:30. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet now have obtained mercy through their disobedience. So I've got mercy, you've got mercy, because guess what? Israel was, Israel was naughty. Even, even so, these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. Why is it, this is what gets, it, it makes me crazy when I think about people that think that we've replaced Israel. Cessationism, right? It's his mercy that I'm even a wild olive branch grafted into this vine, their king, their savior, and then, then to think like, I've gotten all this mercy and we think that he is not a big enough God to bring her back in. Of course he can, because they were broken off because of unbelief. So we were once disobedient to God. We pursue the Sermon on the Mount lifestyle. We recognize our spiritual poverty. We mourn it. We respond in meekness. We hunger and thirst for righteousness. We pray for their mercy as it has been given to us. And we pursue God with a pure heart. And we're fervently interceding for them because we want to be peacemakers, as I was just talking about. All right. Um, and kind of going back, just this whole thing, spiritual jealousy. Spiritual jealousy, another way of looking at that is just the, the breakthrough is going to happen by our authentic demonstration. They're, they're like, they're, he's supposed to be their God, but it's dry. It's a dry and weary, land, barren land because they don't actually have the Holy Spirit in that connection. But as they see that we have this connection, I sometimes enjoy um, just even kind of get my brain more wrapped around Israel and Israel culture. I, I watch YouTube stuff. And, um, and you know, you see some Messianic um, folks that are there, and they're having these conversations with these Jewish believers. And you can see, like, they really want to know God. But, you know, they're, you can tell that there's that missing Holy Spirit connection, that that whole Abba Father, like that whole, oh, I that yeah, that 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 intimacy that is missing, and so um, we want to have that authentic demonstration of like they see that in in us, and I believe what God's going to do is if you will pray specifically that the Lord will make you connect you with Israel people with like you know, um, skin on, you know, that he'll do that. Cause I think it really helps 
you know, I know Angie said at one point in time that there was a connection that was being made, you know, to a house of prayer there. And, you know, because years, there was years for a while that Tatum and Angie were doing the set praying for the youth of Israel, which is exciting. Like that's going to like be happening again. Obviously, you think about Tom and Sam right now being in Israel and being in that house of prayer um, there that Hallel something. What's the name? Sukkot Hallel, right? Oh, thank you. Um, there, like, there's going to be a mixed group of people that are there, but just being there, it's like our, we are meant for human connection. And so I would encourage you to really be praying that the Lord would make help you meet Jewish people, make friends with Jewish people, have this kind of connection. I know Alice has several Jewish friends that we prayed for specifically, but I think I can really work in that. All right, sorry, I'm trying to find my... Okay, all right, another one to pray for. Pray for the diaspora. So I looked this up so that you would know what... (laughs) So I can read you the technical definition of what the diaspora is. But um, another name for the diaspora is the exile. And it's the dispersion of Israelites and Jews out of their ancient ancestral homeland and their subsequent settlement in other parts of the globe. So when we know the history of Israel... Started with the northern kingdom, right? They got warning, 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 warning. I mean, they had invaders come, but never where they were completely exiled. So then they got exiled by Assyria. And then later on, the Judah, um, the southern kingdom, off to Babylon. And this, th- that northern kingdom, those, uh, those ten tribes are considered, if you've ever heard the term, the lost tribes. And like... People argue about, you know, whether do they exist or are they completely, you know. It's interesting because what they're doing now is they're doing these genetic testing. Has anybody heard about this? The genetic testing. And so they're actually able to go back and, like, find out where they originated from. Like, I've always believed that they're not, well, maybe lost is an okay term, not gone. (laughs) But, like... He, he didn't lose anybody. God didn't lose anybody. He didn't lose that 12 tribes, even though maybe their, their identity seems like it just kind of got assimilated into the nations. But, like, they exist. Like, part of the fulfillment of prophecy is he's going to gather what's scattered. Um, there's this war, obviously, against this particular area connected with Israel's restoration. Prime example, Nazi Germany, right? He wanted to exterminate the Jews, Jeremiah 31.10, hear the word of the Lord, O nations, and declare it in the isles afar off, and say, he who scattered Israel will gather him and keep him as a shepherd does his flock. All the earth are to be placed on notice. God's purposes for Israel um, are that he's, he's going to gather them. He is, um, like, I say, you know, the earth is on notice, like, heads up, everyone, guess what? Like, he's saying, like, I'm the one who scattered them. And I'm going to gather him back up. Is he already doing this? He is. This is already happening. So he's going to, he's going to finish what he started. He is going to, um, he scattered her, he's going to gather her, and he's going to protect her. He's going to protect his remnant. He's going to finish what he started because he chose her as the royal priesthood, the holy nation. Isaiah 61, 6, but you shall be called priests of the Lord. They shall speak of you as the ministers of our God. You shall eat the wealth of the nations, and in their glory you shall boast. You see, 
Like he wants to take it back to that original plan where she is actually like, you know, we, we know that the verses um, in the Bible that talk about, I don't have them here, sorry, but the ones where the nations are going to bring tribute to Israel. I mean, in the history of the whole idea of, of tribute is that like <clears throat> there would be vassal um, nations, which basically means they would be subject to a sovereign nation. And if you were a vassal of a sovereign nation, you'd be like, this is the big dog nation, and you didn't have a big enough army, and they came and took over you, and they're letting you continue to exist um, as, as a nation. But the trade-off is, is that you gotta, you got to pay them money. you gotta, you got to take a percentage of everything that you have, like taxes that you didn't agree to, and you got to take them and give them to that other nation to keep them in power, keep them strong, and keep you as that subordinate nation. But he's saying that's not the, that's not the long-term plan. The long-term plan is that all those nations are going to bring tribute to my people, to my land, my kingdom here. And if they don't, like, I'm going to withhold water from their land. So, yeah, his plans are going to be fulfilled. So we can pray in agreement that his plans will be fulfilled. Psalms 129, 5 through 6, let all those who hate Zion be put to shame and turned back. Let them be as the grass on the housetops, which wither before it grows up. Psalms 33, 8 through 12, let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord brings the counsel of the nations to what? Nothing. To ruin. He makes the plans of peoples of no effect. How long have been the people around Israel been trying to destroy Israel? Since it was Israel, right. He makes the plans of the people to no effect. When will that change? When he decides it, when he allows it as part of their judgment. This is the same way it always was for this tiny little nation of Israel that they stood and that when he, he warned and warned and warned, told them to come back to him, come back to him. But then when he decided time's up, then he allowed it. It wasn't that they did it apart from God's permission. He makes the plans of the people of no effect. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he has chosen as his own inheritance. Declaring in agreement the word of God is like, that's different than coming up with your own ideas and declaring them. I realize it's popular in the church. They're like, decree and declare this certain thing. It's not a declaration of the Lord if he didn't say it in his word. You can declare something that is in agreement with his word as you're praying for Israel. Um, but it's because he said it and you're agreeing with him. I'm agreeing with him. It's not because I said it. And I'm like, I'm going to declare that all of Israel's enemies will be destroyed. I mean, it only works when it's in agreement with him. If not, it's witchcraft. The nations and their governments may hold their councils, but they can issue their decrees. But whenever these are in opposition to God's will, they're going to come to nothing concerning Israel. Psalms 2. Why are the nations so angry? This is NLT. Why are the nations so angry? Why do they waste their time with futile plans? The kings of the earth prepare for battle. The rulers plot together against the Lord and against the, his anointed. 
Let us break their chains, they cry, and free ourselves from slavery to God. Isn't it interesting? Like, that's what it, that's, that's the core of it right there, right? But the one who rules in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then in anger, he rebukes them, terrifying them with his fierce fury. For the Lord declares, I have placed my chosen king on the throne in Jerusalem, my holy mountain. The king proclaims the Lord's decree. The Lord said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Only ask and I will give you the nations as your inheritance, the whole earth as your possession. You will break them with an iron rod and smash them like clay pots. Now then, you kings, act wisely. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice in trembling. How are they going to do this? They have to, they have to recognize that Israel's God is the God. He is sovereign over all the nations. There are no other gods before him. Serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. Submit to God's royal son or he will become angry, and you will be destroyed in the midst of all your activities. For his anger flares up in an instant. But what joy for all who take refuge in him. Yeah. It's like, there is joy for those that will believe that he is the stone that the builders rejected, but it's the capstone. So, to kind of wind this up, because I'm definitely over what I wanted to, <laughs> the time I wanted to, thanks for being patient. Um, you know, Tim had asked, uh, I'm thinking a couple months ago about, um, he asked for suggestions about how to pray, and Tom put some prayer requests on the, on the website. And I meant to mention that last time, because that, that is really good, is it's helpful in that area. Um, the Spirit is moving, and like as we're coming closer to these prophecies being fulfilled, he is raising more desire to pray for Israel. And as I kind of alluded, like in the beginning, it's just really important that we're in a conversation with the Lord about what that looks like for us. So um, we want to be earnestly seeing him, seeking him, listening to what he's saying. Um, I know we say this a lot, but uh, it's so amazing when, like we know this is the spirit of prophecy is Jesus Christ is God listening to the Father, and what did the Father tell him to do? And then he did that thing. And that's, that's what we want as well. We want to hear, what is, how does the Lord um, want us to pray for Israel, to have his heart for Israel? Is there anything he wants us to do different in this area, in our, in our personal devotional time, in our prayer time, um, you know, in our prayers here? Letting the Lord lead that. So I'm going to close this in prayer. And yes, Abe, you can come up if you want. Lord, we um, we thank you that you have led us through almost seven years of praying for your city and your people. And we thank you that um, you're 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 moving through us. Like we don't even know, Lord. We just can't even imagine what is the impact of prayers that have been prayed. Like well. In, in prophetic songs that have been sung, that we'll that we'll see when we get to heaven one day, that we're you know in Jerusalem and knowing that like okay, the reality that we're living in is connected with prayers that were sent up during this time in history. 
Lord, we just, we pray that um, as we're moving closer to the most intense, the fulfillment of these things that we were talking about, for your city, Jerusalem, for your chosen people, and for we as the Gentile believers, we, we really want to be faithful watchmen. We want to be faithful intercessors. We want to be faithful prophetic singers. We want to be faithful worshipers. Would you break off confusion and release clarity? Would you lead us and guide us by your generous spirit? In Jesus' name, amen.